Hey, hey, welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Today's topic was inspired by a lot of questions and conversations that I've been having with my listeners and stylists in the industry right now. And I'm talking about pricing, price increases, how to price, when you should increase. And I couldn't think of anyone better to speak on this topic than my friend and now three-time hairstylist rising guest, Nina Tulio. For anyone who isn't familiar with Nina, she is a powerhouse business coach and the owner of N1 Agency. She works with major brands and has spoken on stage at pretty much every major industry event because she is a smart cookie and she really knows what she's talking about when it comes to pricing and cost of business and all of the things inside your business as a hairstylist. So we are chatting about hourly pricing, a la carte pricing, package pricing, all the different things. We're going to dive in and get into the nitty gritty about if, when, and why you might need to reevaluate your time, your pricing, and how to base your pricing decisions on your lifestyle goals. We are going to talk about how you can define what success means for you, how to, you know, not base what you are working towards on trends and base it on what's really important to you. So this topic has been at the forefront for a lot of hairstylists, I believe, especially in the past couple years because the rate of inflation has been so high and our expenses have increased so much. So I think that this is a really timely episode. You are going to absolutely love what Nina's got to say. She has a tough love, balanced with support approach, and you definitely don't want to miss this episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome, Nina Tulio. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hi, Nina. Welcome back to the show. I'm super excited to have you back for a third time. I know. I love chatting with you. I love being back for the third time. And I just, first of all, I just want to say this. I love everything that you're doing on Instagram and everything that you're sharing when it comes to building a brand. And I just, I know that I saw that you've had a little bit of shift in your brand and branding not too long ago. I'm, I'm just, I pay attention to stuff like that. And so I just think it's so awesome. And so I'm just really excited to chat and share all the things. Well, thank you for noticing. As you know, I am a little bit of a nerd when it comes to branding. So (laughs) I really appreciate that. And the feeling is so mutual. I just love your approach to all things business in the beauty industry. And I think that we have a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. So that's why I think these conversations are always so enlightening for me, for my listeners. And I'm just thrilled to be chatting with you today because this is a topic that you talk a lot about 
And it is a hot button issue. And that is, of course, pricing, particularly like price increases, inflation. Like this is a conversation that has been happening a lot recently. And it seems like it's a trigger of a lot of like confusion and anxiety and stress for a lot of stylists. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And listen, it's just not this time around. I mean, I've been in the business for 25 years and we were talking about it then. You yeah. know what I mean? It's always been a topic of conversation. I've I've seen some really great shifts in the industry when it comes to pricing and price increases. And I think stylists are becoming more confident. And that's my goal is yeah. to give people the tools and the knowledge to empower them to make the decisions that are best for their business. Because right. one thing I do want to make clear is that there is not a one size fits all blanket that we throw over this business because what's going to be good for you when it comes to pricing and price increases may not be good for me. And so I just coach to that way and feel like if I could give people the tools and the knowledge that they need and they understand from you, the brand, because that's very important, brand, branding, mission, core values, standard, that's how we make decisions when it comes to pricing and price increases. So I'm excited about this topic too. Yeah. And I just want to say too, Nina, that I think that that's something, one of the reasons that I have so much respect for you and the way that you educate is that you're not trying to apply a cookie cutter system to every stylist and business model and salon owner in the entire industry. Because I think that is part of, you know, from a branding and marketing perspective, people really love to tell you like, this is the one way, or this is the secret, or, you know, this is what you have to do to be successful. And I think that it kind of messes with people's heads a little bit. And they're like, oh, okay. So I just need to find the one silver bullet that's going to transform my life and my business. Right. So I love that you're like, no, 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 <laughs> it's not a silver bullet. It's actually like, what's that, uh, that palette the Peloton guy, he's like, the shortcut is doing the damn work. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I feel like mm -hmm. that's something that I really love about the way that you educate. So thank you. It. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what? It's so true. I just want to add to that because I think it can be very confusing for a lot of stylists and owners that are looking for education. And there are amazing coaches, mentors, whatever you want to call us out there that are, are sharing such great information. But you have to be mindful that there are a lot of trends that come up in the business. And I've talked about this on my gram as well. There, there isn't the silver bullet. There isn't the thing that's going to magically fix your business. You have to know your brand yourself and your business first. And then we make decisions based on that, right? And it's yeah. not about seeing what's trending or what looks popular or what looks cool. It's really making decisions on what is going to serve you your clients, your stylist, if you have them and, and make decisions long-term. So I wanted to add that too, because there are a lot of trending things when it comes to pricing and price increases and all of the things, you know, yeah. and there isn't one size fits all. So I think more so this is going to be about understanding who you are and what your brand is and who you serve and what your brand stands for and what your mission and core values are, because that's where we make the decisions from. With pricing, there are other components to it, but I yeah. think we'll be talking, you'll hear me talk a lot about that too. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that just triggered a thought for me because I was talking to one of my students, she completed like the branding program. And, you know, I, I think I did, it was either a podcast episode or a post about like, finding what success means to you. And this is something that I think we chatted about on the first, the first ever episode we recorded together, how it's like, 
there's not one linear success path. And she sent me a message on Instagram and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like that really resonated with me because I keep seeing all this stuff about like, you know, needing to like make like, you know, multi six figures and all that kind of stuff. And if that's your goal, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love that for you. But she's sure. like, and I was kind of feeling a little bit less than because I'm like, that's not really my goal. Like my goal is to be comfortable and to have a lot of time with my family and to just feel really good about everything and not have to constantly be focusing on like more money, more this, more that. So I thought that was really interesting because I'm like, you know, that just goes to show how trend based mm-hmm. our idea of success can sometimes be if we're not careful. Like we need Ooh. to really decide what's good for us, not what's, you know, trending at the moment. Cause yes. you know, it can be, that can make you feel less than I think, which is, mm-hmm. that's not a good way to start off. <laughs> that's not a good no. way to make decisions. No. And you tell them, and that's the truth. You know, mm-hmm. I think it is the comparison syndrome, you know, yeah. where somebody else is looking at another stylist or owner's success and saying, well, that's what I should do. Or that's where I should be at two years or five years or 10 years, or I need to own a salon. No, you don't. Yeah. Owning a salon is not for everyone. And if that's not your journey, that's okay. Yeah. It's really sitting within self and saying, what does success look like for me? And yeah. success for you could be having more balance and spending more time at home with your family. Because mm-hmm. if these past two years have taught us anything, it's to prioritize what's important. Yeah. And so what's important for me is going to be different than what's important for you. But sit with self, you know, sit with yourself and, and see what feels good for you and define success. It could be money. It could be time. It could be power. It could be travel. It could be home life. Yeah. And that's okay. all of it's okay. But yeah. it's doing it within you first and feeling good within you and not comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing. Oh, that is so good. Yes, you're absolutely right. And you just said it perfectly. So when we talk about, I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit here. When we talk about price increases, so this is something that I've seen a lot um, recently. And, you know, it's like, there's almost this, like, if you're not increasing your prices exponentially, like you're, you're, you know, being a hairstylist wrong. <laughs> like, And there's like all these different things I see, like the only way that makes sense is to have hourly pricing or the only way that makes sense is to have package pricing or the only way is session pricing. And like, there's literally a million different people saying that this is the only way. So let's talk about price structure and price increase kind of as, as one, like how do you know if it's time? How do stylists know if they even need to change things? Or like, what's that first kind of step? Because I know you work through a lot of this. You have programs specifically about figuring out your money. So mm-hmm. like, what's like step one, I guess, when it comes to figuring out your pricing as a stylist? So, okay, there are different components to pricing. And yes, there it could be hourly pricing. It could be package pricing. It could be a la carte pricing. And there is a lot of uh, chatter about going hourly, which can be great for some and not great for others, right? And I think that it's, again, knowing what is going to be best for you, doing your research, doing your homework, doing your due diligence, because what I can tell you is, and my thought is, And again, I have no problem with hourly pricing. I teach hourly pricing and make that money 2.0 because I believe that there is a need for it. However, it's not for everyone. 
And I think that you can cap your income sometimes when you go into hourly pricing if it's not priced correctly. So you have to be mindful that if you're get whatever, let's just say $100 an hour. I'm just using that as an example. So if that's what you're charging, we have to make sure that you are wrapping in enough for product usage because what happens if you use eight bowls of color on someone, is that going to be included in your, in your pricing? Because if it's not, you're losing money. You could be losing money. Hourly pricing, I think works great for someone who really wants to simplify things, who does maybe have a hard, hard time charging for toners and glosses and extra color bowls and all of the things, and really gets a little bit nervous when it comes to all of that stuff and just wants to strip down, simplify and have hourly pricing with everything inclusive and that's it, right? That could be very, very good for, for some people. And when we, how I coach pricing is I have a budgeting worksheet and a price per minute price per hour worksheet. We have to run all of the budgeting first to see what the profit margin is because your target profit has to be wrapped into what your pricing situation is going to be, your structure. And so we do that first and then we run your hours worked And then it will spit out a price per minute and a price per hour. There are other things that go into this aside from just target profit. Then we look at the goal. Like, what is the goal? If you're making a hundred thousand now, what is the goal for next year? Is it 120? Is it 130? And I coach and teach how to work through that percentage. So then we plug that number in, and then it will give us a new price per minute and price per hour to shoot for. Now you have to use the worksheet in order to do that because you couldn't really do it manually. There are so many components to it. For sure. But if you're thinking, if you are stressed with pricing and you want to simplify, hourly may be right for you. But what I can tell you is I have had quite a few suite owners and renters come to me for coaching who have already went to hourly. And then when I ran their numbers through my worksheets, my hourly and a la carte pricing came out 20 to $25 higher per service, not per right. service, per ticket, per ticket. Right. right. So we're lo- if we're losing $25 or $20 on a client and we're seeing 20 clients a week, that's $10,000, $15,000 a year that we're losing in revenue. So we just have to make sure that it is done correctly and that we're charging for product. And some people do hourly plus cost of product if you're using a salon scale, which is a great tool. Um, so that's my spiel on that because there are so many ways. And I wish I could tell you like, this is what your price per minute should be. And this is what your price per hour would be. I, cu- I can't tell you because like you said, it's not cookie cutter. Yeah, it's going to be someone's someone's baseline price per minute. And I just know from my make that money course, some could be 90 cents, some could be 108, some could be 125. Mm -hmm. And that's their baseline. But then we have to shoot to get them to grow, you know, so then their new price per minute could be going from 90 cents to 110. And then how do we get them there? But I wouldn't know that until I ran all the numbers through the sheet. Right now. And and again, hourly pricing, a la carte pricing, you do what you feel is best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe a la carte pricing is great. Uh, that is what I lean toward, but I also am not mad at hourly pricing because I think right. there is a space for it when it comes to price increases. Let's talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And there are many, um, 
things that we look into when we're looking to have a price increase. The first thing, hands down, is if it's been more than a year or a year and a half since you've had a price increase, it's time. Right. Like that alone, a year, year and a half, because think about how things have changed over the past two years, right? Just in cost of goods alone. Now, I also want to preface this. That's not the only reason to have a price increase. Just right. looking at your cost of goods doesn't mean, oh, my my expense went up on my back bar supplies. That means I need to have a price increase. We need to look at your overall expenses and then say, okay, it's been a year, year and a half. Yes, my expenses have gone up slightly. So we're going to have a price increase based on that. And mm -hmm. then we add in addition to how far out are you booking? Are you 85% booked plus for two months at least consistently? Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I shared a post the other day. If you're booking into June or July, so that would be like at least six to eight or nine weeks out, we need to reassess what your business looks like because although it's great to be booked and busy, you could be working in a gridlock situation where now you can't see new clients. Now you can't see your target clients. Now you can't charge what you should be charging, right? Because you're locked into these prices. Maybe you need an assistant. Maybe you're just so booked. You know, there are other things to take into consideration. Um, and also the demand, you know, do you have a wait list? Do you have people requesting to be with you? Are you getting inquiries? What does that look like? Because when you have an increase, typically, and in most cases, not in all, you'll shed about 10% of your client base. But I think... The first thing I want to be clear on is if it's been a year, year and a half, it's time to reassess and look at your prices because operating on pricing from two, three, four years ago, right? Your prices yeah. stay the same. Your expenses are going up. Your profit margin gets smaller and smaller. So we do have to be mindful of that. You know, and that's something, it's so interesting. And I just want to kind of piggyback on that. When you're behind the chair, I think that the price increases on color happen, you know, frequently enough that it's never, it's it, sometimes it's big, but it's not like so big that you're like, oh my God, like I'm going to start losing money. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't trigger that. I stepped away from behind the chair over two years ago. Now I've been full-time um, in my education business and I went to pick up shampoo the other day and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, get a toner just in case I need one. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I could not believe an increase in two years. And I think that routinely stylists go through two-year periods without doing increases if they're not being intentional. And mm -hmm. so just looking at that from, you know, a two-year standpoint and what I was paying for color and what color's at now. And I, I think that we're probably underestimating how much of an impact that not, not making shifts to accommodate for that would actually make. Cause like mm. you said, that's directly, if you're not changing anything else and all remains equal, you are going to be losing that much money. And if you don't make a change for 10 years, that's going to start to really hurt. And 10 years sounds crazy, but this happens all the time. Like mm -hmm. there's all like, you know, if you're not intentional and I think that business education was harder to come by 15 years ago for hairstylists. So this is something where if you've had a salon for a long time or you've been a stylist for a long time, like it's okay if this is kind of the beginning and you need to start here. Cause I think that it gets easier if you do it more often. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. I think the other thing too is like people ask, well, what should I do? How much should I do for my price increases? I mean, on average, this is average. We typically run between a 10 and a 20% increase 
And again, that 20% increase, that's top tier. So that's if you haven't had a price increase in two, three, four, five, six years, which I know stylists that haven't because they message me or they show up on my mm-hmm. lives, you're looking at that 20% increase. And that may scare the hell out of you. You may consider doing a 10% increase now and another 10% increase in six months just yeah. to make it a little easier. However, the clock is ticking. And if you are, I, sh- I shared this yesterday, if you're undercharging by $10 and you are seeing 20 clients a week, you're losing $10,400 a year in revenue, just $10, right? So oh, that's a gut punch. <laughs> absolutely. And I think, you know, again, average 10 to 20%, we mostly live in 10 to 15%. And that could be a blanket increase, meaning all of the services, or it could be that we do just colors and then we don't do the rest of it, or we just look at your cuts and your treatments and all of that. But most people do a blanket increase and do a smaller one, maybe like 10%. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important to understand that this is a business decision. This is not an emotional decision. Yeah. The impact that pricing has on your business, and I have a free pricing class on this three ways pricing impacts your business, and you can check out the replay, but it affects your schedule, how much you're working. It affects your profit and it affects your sales. So mm-hmm. if your sales, if, if you're having to hustle, right, and, and grind, you're working now 50 hours a week when you really shouldn't be working more than 40 because mm-hmm. your pricing is low. So yeah. take all of that into consideration. And also when your client Kelly decides that she's going to go down the street and go see another hairstylist because that's where her best friend goes and she just wants to try them out, she's not going to write you a note and send you a check for that balayage that she just canceled with you right? So we have to be mindful that this is not emotional. Everyone's going to do what's best for them. And Mm -hmm. although you have an emotional connection with your clients, when it comes to making business decisions like pricing, you have to think long-term. And again, we have to think of the facts. And we also have to think about your brand and business when it comes to communicating that too. So it's a lot. I get it. And listen, I used to live in the space of fear. When I was a salon owner in the early years of owning... I was an insecure hairstylist and I was an insecure owner and I operated from that space and I didn't have price increases and I was so nervous and I was so scared of people saying, oh my God, you're having a price increase. Well, I can't afford that. I can't come see you. Oh my God, you're doing another. Like I was so nervous that I didn't do anything. I was paralyzed. And it was until that I didn't have a profit in my business. I was like, shit, I got to get moving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's the thing too, right? It's like people, so often there's this like, fear surrounding. And I even see it with stylists who are way more booked than they can handle. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're too booked. They're having to work too much. They're not able to take in new clients that they really want to take on. And there's still, even in that situation, so much fear surrounding price increases, um, changing things like shifting so that things, because one thing I notice is it's often not all of your services are created equal. Like a Mm -hmm. lot of the time, it's like there'll be a service that you think you're charging a lot for and it's taking you, you know, way, way longer using way more products. You're actually making the least amount of money on your highest price services. (laughs) That's like (laughs) something I see all the time. And um, so can we go back to that a little bit, that mindset that you need to kind of shift? Because I think it it starts there. Oh, absolutely. 1000%. And I think you have to understand as a hairstylist how powerful you are and how much magic you share just by touching every single client that you see every day. And it's understanding that 
the value that you provide with education, with your knowledge, with your personality, and with your um, just you showing up every day for that client and giving them 150%, there's value behind that. And for my booked and busy stylists, I just did an IG live on this and it's on my IGTV, but there are things that you have to look at. If you are that booked and busy, people see your value. Mm-hmm. Instead of being nervous and thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do if I raise my prices? Take a step back and say, wow, I'm in demand. Mm-hmm. And people really value and appreciate what I'm offering. And I should charge for that. And here's the thing. When you have that increase, the majority of your clients are going to stay with you. And if they don't, it's okay. It just means that they either don't see the value in you and they're not your perfect target client, or it just doesn't fit in their budget anymore. And either one is okay. It's not a personal, again, this is not a personal thing. This is a business thing. So if they can't see you because of budgeting, then we refer them out to another stylist we know, love, and trust. And it really is taking a pause and saying, I offer value to my clients and I am magical. And if I am in such demand and I am that booked and busy, I really need to appreciate that and say, I have to make some changes because listen, if you don't make changes, you're just going to continue to get the same result, which mostly is, and the DMs that I get, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm so overworked. I'm so overwhelmed. I can't work 50 hours anymore. I'm so... I don't want to do root touch-ups and haircuts anymore. What do I do about that? I really want to niche down, right? These are, and these are all valid concerns, but unless you make changes, you're going to continue to live in that space. And I can tell you this, if you're in that much of a demand and you have a wait list and you have people that are, you know, requesting to see you, the four or five clients, maybe that you lose per se, Mm -hmm. you're going to fill those spots with new clients that really truly see and honor the value that you share with them. So it is moving through that fear and really pausing and looking at the value in self first and really saying, listen, I can't keep doing the same thing Mm -hmm. because I'm so tired. And when you're tired, you're not showing up for yourself or your family or your clients. So it's just making a little bit of a pivot. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like you said earlier about thinking long-term, I think that for the stylist who is overbooked, over busy, like just, and it's not sustainable. Like you can, you can push yourself for so long, but there's always inevitably going to be a breaking point. And whether it's, it's just like rolling the dice on which area of your life, basically you want to sacrifice and which Mm. area you're good to, you know, let kind of crumble around you because one of them will, like, there's Mm -hmm. no way, um, to sustain that. And I think that sometimes, cause we love our job so much and there's going to be times where you've got to turn it up a little bit, right? There's going to be times where you really are going to have to do some things. Like if you're just starting a business or maybe there's, you've got some big goals and that's okay. Like, I don't want to ever say that it's not okay to have to work hard sometimes, but you really do have to think about the ebbs and flow and what you can actually maintain long-term. Mm, So smart. I love that. And again, it's the long-term thinking. We don't want to make short-term decisions on a long-term business. And listen, you're going to work hard. 
If you're a business owner, a solopreneur, you're going to work hard. It is what it is, but you don't have to do it 24, seven, 365 days a year. Totally. Like you said, Jody, it's knowing those ebbs and flows. Are you going to kick it up a little bit in the holidays? Sure. It doesn't mean you're going to sleep over at the salon. <laughs> you got to go home and rest, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it is understanding. And that's something that I'm very guilty of. I'm not great with boundaries. I'm still working on my boundaries. I've been working mm-hmm. on it for years. And when I had my salon, we hustled and we grinded it out. Mm-hmm. We worked a lot. Um, but we also had, you know, I gave my team flexibility, of course, but they love to work. They love to make money. So did I. We love to serve our clients. And mm-hmm. it was a different time then, though. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I had my salon. I started in 2006 and I sold it in 2016. And that was my mentality was that mm-hmm. I just, not that we didn't have time off. My, my team worked typically 32 to 35 hours a week. I'm not saying that they were working 50 hours a week, but they worked hard mm-hmm. and they were very talented and they worked hard the entire time they were with me. And some were with me four, five, six years. Yeah. So, but it is understanding when you have to turn it up and when you have to acknowledge what you need within yourself, that yeah. time, that space, that peace, you know, For sure. And not letting other people dictate that too. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, you've heard me say this, I'm sure, but like, I firmly believe that social media is one of the best things that has happened to our industry as far as having control over your own career for the independent stylist. Like I think before the rise of like Instagram and getting more marketing literate, it was a lot harder to kind of design your dream business. I'm not saying it was impossible, but it was definitely a lot harder However, the downside is that we're constantly seeing what other people are doing. And I think that that's kind of where we're like, oh, like, does that mean I, because I talked about how I didn't work weekends when I was rebuilding my clientele because I couldn't, my husband was out of town. And I share that because it's possible if that's important to you and that's your non-negotiable, it's possible to do that. But I think that sometimes we hear this and it's like, oh, does that mean that if I work weekends, then all of a sudden, then I'm not doing it right, that I'm still doing, you know, working too hard or whatever. <laughs> I used to like to work longer days, less days. And so, you know, sometimes you see things that's like you should never work more than five hours a day. So I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to get really intentional about what works for them, both when it comes to pricing, scheduling, like all of the things, because there is no no right way to do this. <laughs> you, and you said it. And listen, let me, let me go on this schedule thing because this is another thing, you know, with uh, not working Saturdays anymore, not working nights anymore. And, you know, I think that's great. I think that we need to instill some of that balance, right? Mm-hmm. However, I feel like sometimes things go very left where it's like, We've, we've been so to one side for so long that now wow. the pendulum swings so far where now the people who want to work Saturdays, they're like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to work. Like, is yes. it bad that I want to work a Saturday? And it's not. I loved no. working Saturdays. Saturdays was my favorite day with my team. And would mm-hmm. I do things differently now if I had a salon? Sure. Um, but not every salon wants to close their salon on Saturdays. Not every salon wants to not have their stylist work on Saturdays. And not every stylist wants to have off on Saturdays. So again, 
<laughs> right? It's not, it's not falling into that trend and doing what you feel is best for you. If you're tired of missing your daughter's soccer practice on Saturday, then do you. And then you adjust and you make time for your family because that's first. But if you yeah. love that Saturday, maybe you only take one off a month. You know, I think it's really creating balance in what makes you happy and not looking at what everybody else is doing and then feeling bad. Like, now I'm supposed to feel bad because I want to work Saturdays. Yeah. Like what is like, do that. If you want to work Saturdays, great. Good for you. Yep. Or now I, now I have to feel bad because I don't want to actually push myself to make 150 K a year. Like I'd rather work part time and spend more time at home. Like, I think that's the whole thing, right? It's not feeling like you have to do something because of the way that, you know, is currently trending on Instagram. Like <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we have to do. We just, you know, got to get a lot more intentional. I just have one last thing that I wanted, wanted to ask you, because I think this is something when it comes to price increases, that is, it's a conversation that I've kind of seen stylists having in, in Facebook groups, you know, just kind of like looking into the industry as a whole. What do you do if you're a stylist who isn't as booked and busy as they want, but your prices are set up so that you are not profiting? What is the, what's the solution there? Cause it's one thing if you're crazy busy and you need to do a price increase, or, you know, it's one thing if your prices are, are fine and you just need to get more clients. But what if you, you know, maybe came from somewhere where it's just not sustainable to begin with? How do you build and how do you approach a price increase from that space? Ooh, that's so good. And listen, here's the thing. We don't base our pricing off of our feelings, mm -hmm. Facebook groups, other mm -hmm. salons that you came from and salons down the street or with what your bestie, you know, Sarah's doing down the block. Mm -hmm. That's what we don't base our prices on. My thing is really to give you the facts and what we base prices on. And that is your time, your product, your target mm -hmm. profit, and your total business expenses. Of course, we have to do a little research behind that as well. That's how we price services. However, if you let's just say you came from somewhere and you're realizing now that you're on your own and you just took the prices that you had. And now you're like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be making X, Y, Z profit. And I'm not even close, but I'm only 60% booked. We have to look at the business overall. We, yes, we pull productivity. So we see that you're 60% booked. We also look at client retention. Are you retaining the new clients that you have or are, are you not retaining them? Cause that's a big piece of this. Mm -hmm. And, and then also you you can't you can't sustain the business if it's not making a profit and if you're not retaining clients we have to find out why is it quality of work is it total guest experience or is it because the price is not equal to the value of what the client is receiving so those three areas you have to reevaluate right and then when we do all of that then we prep and prepare to have an increase and it may be a baby increase, right? Because we don't want to go too high. However, if you are moving into a new space, you're going to absorb more expense. So if you're going, let's just say from a commission salon and now you're on your own, you're going to have more business expenses. So your prices are going to go up. So yeah. I think we have to look at the business overall. We have to look at those three areas when it comes to client retention. So price versus value, total guest experience, quality of work, identify if clients are not returning to you, right? Or maybe it's just a volume issue. You're not yeah. getting the clients in that you need to. So that's a marketing solution, right? We have mm -hmm. to market better in, the, in that sense. But you still have to say, okay, by this date, 
I'm going to have to have some sort of increase. And it may be a smaller increase just to get you over the line. And again, if I would run those numbers through my sheet, it will tell me where your baseline should be. And then each individual service, what your price per minute is and what we need to adjust. So maybe it's just that we need to adjust a few services. Because you pointed out something that's so true when you said that some of your prices that are higher, you're not... Mm -hmm you're not making as much money on because what I do. And even with my coaching client yesterday, we went through all of her services and on her services, cause her prices are higher. Her price per minute was great. It was on point. But when we started to run for her stylists that have just started, the price per minute was like double low, <laughs> you know? Whoa. So now we need to say, okay, if we don't do something here, you're losing money. You're not going to be making profit, but the team isn't busy yet. You know, so how we just had that conversation. And I think it's just arming yourself with the knowledge and the facts that you can break down your price per minute and say, this is where I am. This is where I need to be. And if the business isn't profiting, it's not sustainable, but we do have to do work on the back end with retaining the clients, with attracting the right clients. Right. So it kind of goes hand in hand So I know that's not like a very super like poignant answer, but you really have to look at it from both sides. And I do suggest having some sort of increase, not right away, especially Mm -hmm. if you move into a new space, you may not have an increase right away, but in six months, we may have that increase. In the meantime, you're working on the quality of work, the price versus value, the marketing aspect of it, and, you know, really dialing in that client retention by getting feedback from your clients. So I suggest a survey that goes yeah. out to your, your new clients within 24 to 48 hours with a link for a survey so they could give you feedback on their experience. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is power. So I think that that's my answer for that. And it's so hard because it's definitely not one size fits all, but I don't want anyone to struggle. I don't want you working five years, not making a profit in your business. Yeah. And I, I think the reality is like, that's what, again, this is why I just love you so much, Gina, because it, it's typically not a one sentence, one size fits all answer. And so I think sometimes it's a disservice to to stylists to position it like it's good. You're going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden it's going to, it's going to solve your problem. So thank you so much for being here today. I feel like you've given so much actionable advice that that my listeners can literally take and apply to their businesses right away. I just think you're brilliant. Where can we go to find out more about you? Oh, thank you so much. I just love you and I just love your energy. And I'm so thankful that you had me on here for a third time. Um, Yes, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I live. You know this. (laughs) I I live on Instagram. So my name at Nina Tulio, feel free to slide into my DMS. I answer every single one of them. I want you to know that you're supported. Uh, and so feel free to reach out and you can also check out my website at Nina Tulio. No, my website is Nina Tulio.com. And I have a lot of free resources. I have a profit guide. I have a free pricing class. I have a lot of stuff going on just on my IG where you can gain information. So yeah, check me out there. Yeah, Nini, you are so generous with your knowledge and you're just doing amazing things for the industry. So I appreciate you immensely. And I'm sure that the third time won't be the last time. So I hope not. (laughs) We'll chat soon. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. 
Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at hairstylistrising or at it's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.